You're listening to Strictly Anonymous on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chain. Here is your host. Kathy. Hey, welcome to Strictly Anonymous Podcast with Kathy. If you want to be on the Strictly Anonymous Podcast, I'm always looking for people to call in. This is a call and advice show where I talk to total strangers about all kinds of things. I like to help them with their problems. So if you have a problem and your friends don't want to talk to you anymore, they're very unhelpful, <laughs> you could call me because I love to talk to people about their problems and to help them. I say I give unprofessional advice. Like I'm not a therapist or any of that shit. But I do like to give advice and I think my advice is pretty good. So uh, if you have a problem and you want to call in, you can. If you have a secret life or an interesting life uh, or anything like that, uh, you could either send me an email at strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com or you could go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and you could just click on be on the show. Today I have on Dr. Guy. Now, Dr. Guy's been on my show before. This is his Where Are They Now episode. Uh, He was a 50-something-year-old guy who I dated here in New York. And there's a lot of other episodes on him. Dr. Guy's a total womanizer. Dr. Guy's the biggest cokehead. (laughs) Or no, Dr. Guy, the cokehead cardiologist. (laughs) That was one of the titles of one of his episodes because he is a doctor, right? He used to be a cardiologist. Now he's like a doctor like he does injections and shit like that. But anyway, uh, he was like a big fat mess so his podcasts are really interesting when you go back and if you want to go back and listen to them because he's like you know a 50 something year old guy who lives in New York and he's pretty hot and he's got a lot of cash so he was living like a real crazy life uh that like I think there's like a lot of doctor guys in New York and probably LA too that fall into that category. Um, but he recently went sober. He had a bottom. He went totally sober. Not on women, because he needs to go sober on women, but sober with alcohol. And uh, we talk all about that. Um, so if you listen to Dr. Guy's other episodes, like I said, you'll be shocked to hear that Dr. Guy went sober because he was like a party animal, right? <laughs> he was definitely having a major midlife crisis. And it all came crashing down and he quit alcohol. So we talk about... How that happened, what went down, like what his bottom was that made it happen, how he's doing with it, and what he thinks is next for him. Because, uh, like I said, he needs to quit more than just alcohol. He's still fucking a lot of girls, and they were texting him while we were talking. (laughs) So you'll you'll hear that on this episode, too. But um, I don't know. What else do I say about Dr. Guy? You just got to listen to it. Like, the good news is, I mean, I used to always talk about how he was going to, like, kill somebody or himself (laughs) because he was, like, ready to crash and burn. He was, like, a work hard, play hard, core kind of guy. And uh, he was able to get sober before anything went really bad for him, which is pretty amazing considering I didn't think that was going to (laughs) happen. But anyway, so I'm going to be right back on with Dr. Guy. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous. Uh, hey, Dr. Guy, welcome to Strictly Anonymous Podcast for your fourth or tenth time on the show. How are you? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good? You are good. I can safely say that. What? I can safely say that. I'm very good. Yeah, you're very good. I mean, some would have said you were very good in the past because, you know, we would talk about all the hot girls that you would fuck and all the, you know, materialistic things that you had and whatever. But uh, you're good in a different way because you recently got, you recently hit a bottom and got sober, which is pretty major in your life. Yeah, I'd say it's a complete 360 or 180. I know we debated that one time. For the show, I was always hoping for like the cokehead cardiologist New York Post fucking, you know, uh, story. 
Because I always felt like you would make the post when you like killed somebody or yourself or something with your crazy yeah, was, ways. But there was potential there, yeah. There was potential for like a newsworthy New York story. And I was like on some some part of me you thought that would have been like hilarious. But, you know, I'm much happier. And I always felt this for you, right? I always predicted that you would eventually go sober. And if you did, that you would be able to be successful. I mean, you're just a couple months in, but that's huge, right? But what, let's go talk about like how you sort of got to that place I mean what was your bottom that happened and wait let me just say this really quickly so if like anyone wants to hear your other episodes there's like three of them one was like doctor guy is the biggest womanizer doctor guy is a cokehead doctor guy is like what commitment phobic I mean so like you could get the gist of like what your life was like before right what was your life before and then tell people how you got to your bottom and what happened and then how you got sober so I went through a period after, you know, my two, my second divorce and, you know, sort of living away from my kids and having kind of like time to myself. For the first time in a long time. I mean, you had four kids and two marriages and you were like, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I fucking yeah. almost 50 and now finally free to live because you're like a doctor, right? So you were like straight out of college into like you know, uh, doctor school, med school, right? And then married, then <laughs> kids, cool. and then divorce, then a marriage, and then kids, and then divorce. So, like, you had no time to really be, like, live out your youth, really, right? Yeah, basically, all the things I hadn't done. Because, yeah, I, I'd gone from, you know, college to medical school to um, marriage to residency to kids to one divorce and another marriage shortly after that. Yeah, you um, never so, allowed yourself to yeah, uh, really to live, and and you know during that whole time I was so busy working and between my training and 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 just supporting a family, I never had a break. Right, but you did, but, but because you were kind of like, and I think a lot of people in your generation, because you're like in your fifties now, right? Like you're and right, mm-hmm. but back in that time that you we're doing all this. It was a time where most people just got married because that's like what they were supposed to do. Not necessarily though, it because they were ready to or wanted to, right? Like, I mean, really? Like, were you? Yeah. Well, I mean, in my, in my case, yeah, it was definitely, I, I got married more because of a, a time in my life and, and I kind of mimic my parents' experience. Right. Mm-hmm. It was also pretty crappy to begin with. So, you know, ironically, pick very poor examples to mm-hmm. use you know, as my benchmark. Um, and, uh, you know, I kind of got married at the wrong time to the wrong person and paid a very dear price. Um, Uh, and then kind of, you know, I still hear that buzzing. Can't you turn your text off? Can't you put it on do not disturb? Who's texting you? Is it one person or 10? Uh, like four. Okay. Put them all on (laughs) fucking do not disturb. Put them all on do not to four. Oh my god, I'm not going to delete this. This is what as we do this. This is like Doctor Guy's life. Like he's okay. okay. Right. He's sober in. Uh, you're so I gave up alcohol. I give up pussy. Yeah, you're sober in drinks, but not sober in girls. One girl that he had to stay in his house for a month just left, and his phone is busting up. Oh God, we'll get into that. I, I really we'll might not. I literally we'll, might not we'll delete get... this. Like I literally have to, I've, I've, I've tried to tape this podcast like for the past 10 minutes and we, we've been trying to silence his phone because he's just getting like so many texts. It's like you're 51 years old. Landed. One girl just landed. She's still in passport control. She's already finding out if I'm going to see her tonight. Passport she just landed from St. Marie. <laughs> and she's like, what are you doing later? <laughs> she's been waiting for the other girl to leave, to leave and she's been like dying to like get a hold of me so right. anyways uh, well anyway. that just good look you put them all on do not disturb and that just goes to say like because i just told you like please describe like w- what your life was like before you got okay. sober and so because so, you you were dating all these because you got married and did all this stuff like you did cheat on your wives and you were like a terrible always. husband yeah always terrible terrible, terrible, terrible marriage. it was terrible Cheating is it was a function of a, of a pretty shitty marriage and pretty abusive. I mean, I'm, I married women like my mother who are abusive and disconnected and selfish. So I kind of asked for that. And, and as a result, you know, it was a pretty horrible relationship. And therefore, you know, it led to, 
you know, all kinds of infidelity and other problems. But that, that, that's a probably a different topic. Let's let's keep on digressing. Let me go back to okay, uh, maybe to where I left off. So I, you know, you mentioned here my life was was super, not structured, but but very, you know, very stressful and very um, limited. Adults, adults yeah. would be the right word. You, I mean, you adult were like, would be a lot, yeah. But but but, but I need. That's not what I wanted, and that's not right. what I needed. You know, that mm-hmm. was like the worst thing to, to to give me. So I chose very poorly. And anyway, so but yeah, about about two and a half years ago, well, four years ago, I, I was getting divorced again, and then started having my freedom again. And then literally, like I guess about the last two years, you know, my business was doing well, and now I, I barely I don't have to work very hard. I work maybe three days a week, making you know a, you know a lot of money. <clears throat> business is very good. So all of a sudden, I had, you know, financial freedom, uh, time freedom, uh, relationship freedom. I, I had freedom from everything, and I was able to really become unfettered. And and uh, I'm not answering that text, by the way. Uh, unfettered, <laughs> and was able to, to really go out. And I went out hard, you know, night after night. I mean, the fact that I could only I had to go to work three days a week. I could barely get my there from myself there from eleven to five three days a week. I was so out of my mind, out of control, and and you know when I was looking at it, it didn't seem that, that way at all. Um, you know, I've been drinking since I was fifteen. Um, I never really thought of myself as an alcoholic. I surrounded myself with alcoholics. I mean, I had random girls living with me, and not even just girls I was dating, but just just you know these girls, these bottle girls that kind of like you know all these hangers on. And we would just party night after night, you know, hardcore. We would go through a case of wine you know, every two days at least. And that's even we didn't go out. And then we would go out and plus all the drugs and the hard liquor. It was just insane. It was insane. Ketamine, gulp, you name it. What was the first uh, thing that you said what, before Coke? Ketamine, K, oh, okay, right. Molly, I mean, everything. We just, we just... And you're non-stop. like what, 51, 52? 51, almost, yeah, going up near 52. Yeah, uh-huh. So you were uh, definitely, because we did do one, like Dr. Guy's is a midlife crisis or you're just having fun, you know, because you were like very much, because I had, I mean, the truth is I dated you, right? But like I dated you soon after you got divorced and you yeah. still hadn't gone into full swing of like your sort of like midlife crisis, right? Like yes, you were just, yeah. you that, were that getting was- towards that. You were going towards it. You weren't like at that point yet. And because when I saw you the way you drank, you were very moderate with your drinking, right? I mean, I had a problem and I quit a long time ago. But, yeah. you know, with when I would go out with you, you could have one or two drinks and then that was fine. And you didn't seem like sex seemed like your addiction, not alcohol, yes. right? But I think an addict is an addict. And what happens if you're an addict personality is you could turn anything into a fucking addiction right i mean you probably yeah. also like we just said before like have a, a thing with sex and women as well right yeah but you no. just recently crashed with your fucking alcohol and yeah. that's what oh, we're so, talking about yeah and al- alcohol is unique you know now that i've learned in that it is the drug well first of all it's ubiquitous it's very uh, much a part of the social. I was never uh, uh, a lonesome drinker. I never drank at home by myself. Yeah, I was always surrounded by millions of people, mm-hmm. and I would always go out. It was, it was social, and so social drinking. But alcohol is unique in the sense that you can drink it, and you can easily be fooled in that you can drink more and more and more. You, you don't see a, a limit. Whereas with some other drugs or some other things. You feel bad enough, you stop. You know, by the time you feel bad enough, you're already blacking out. You don't even remember it. Mm-hmm. So that with alcohol, and and it's it's very unique uh, and specific to alcohol. Um, and then, you know, it just it just would lead to other things. I wouldn't have used cocaine if it wasn't for alcohol, because cocaine basically is called the ABC: alcohol before cocaine. Because now, if you use cocaine, you could tolerate a lot more alcohol. And you want to yeah, stay up, so you could drink longer. Stay up. You stay mm-hmm. up, you get more drunk, and, and, and then in the next morning you won't be so badly off because you, t- you took the cocaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, it kind of all went hand in hand. And then I also, you know, I realized in, in retrospect, I didn't drink like other people. You know, someone else would have one drink. I already have three. You know, I, I, was, I was completely out of control with alcohol, completely. And it just would make me uh, angry, belligerent. Uh, and certainly blackouts and, and just, you know, 
all kinds of stupid shit. And being froggy. I mean, I, I, I was I was not mentally present at all. And that you spiraled pretty fast. I mean, it was within like a year or two. Like you completely yes. changed because, like I said, when I yeah. saw you, you weren't like that at all, right? But you were and, headed and, towards that, and I think you needed it. Like you definitely and, and did I, and you need do, it. I, exactly. I would never. Have, uh, I could never look back and say, "Wow, that was really stupid." <laughs> if I didn't do it, I never would have understood. And then to be honest, the reason I think, you know, I have one saving grace that about a year and a half ago I started going back into therapy because mm-hmm. I, I felt like, you know, I had been in therapy so many times under a crisis. I wanted to try it, and um, really, if it wasn't for the therapist, I wouldn't be in the situation I am today. And so, thankfully. You know, I mean, you could say God. I mean, I'm certainly much more spiritual now since I stopped drinking. And I do believe, you know, that there is a higher power. There certainly alcohol has power over me that I cannot control. Um, but my therapist was the one that really read me the riot act. And it probably wouldn't have been such a soft landing had that not happened. So I was very fortunate. But right, yeah, that I your bottom was, was kind of controlled, right? Because you were yeah, in therapy and you were doing it. Yeah, I always try to tell people who are calling to my show who I see are like, you know, sort of deep into something and they want to get out. And I'm always like, try to like sort of make that ending, that bottom, like, you know, as soft as possible. Like you see, you use that word, right? Yeah, but you, right? Well, you're full. It's very hard. Yeah, I said, yeah, I, I, it really was outside forces. And for whatever reason, once when you know i'll tell you the details of what happened you know kind of just tell that not you know yeah um i mean i've been feeling you know what led up to me being sober and it's very recent it's only it's been 46 days now um thank god you know i i discovered my problem and finally made a change but i i was feeling out of control with the drinking on a couple occasions and that particular week that I finally stopped and realized, you know, it was the second time that week that I really had a rough night. And it, it coincided with it. There was a lot of those kind of milling around that were kind of like in the mix. And 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 one was very obsessed with me, would show up everywhere. So there's always fights. There's always drama. And it was really getting and, and that would kind of fuel my drinking and drug use even more. Because, you know, I didn't want to deal with that. And I just, you know, try to escape with the alcohol and drug use. And this particular Thursday, or Wednesday morning, uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, I again went on a bender. Um, you know, and the girl, the, the girls, three different girls fighting about, you know, my situation. And I, I blacked out completely. And I woke up in a pool of blood, both from the girl who had her beard that came home with me and that my <laughs> face was completely sliced open over my eye and had been bleeding profusely. Oh my God. What do you mean from the girl? So like you had gone down on her and you had blood from her? No, or the period no, was like no, all no, over I your dick. Like what do you mean her blood? Where was her blood? Push? No, no. It just, it just, it was just like a bloodbath. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, she had never period in the moment and there was blood everywhere. That And from my eye, I was bleeding profusely. Oh my God. So your whole bed. Oh my God. My whole bed, like, well, I wake up and I don't remember any of this. Okay. And I had to go to work two hours late, stinking of alcohol, uh, with a giant gash across my forehead, like kind of like you know bandaged up, you know bandaged up. I didn't have time to get stitches, which I eventually had stitched because I'm a doctor. I got I had one of my staff actually stitch me. Um, I was just gonna, I had to, I wanted to tell people who haven't heard your other episodes just so that they know. Like I mean, you are like a doctor who has like how many practices do you have? Like at this I have three point? offices. Big, yeah, big, three big, offices big, and big. so many people on staff. And here you are stumbling the walk of shame. That is just like is like the yeah. worst walk of shame ever yeah. because like you said, you're I mean, a doctor. My, my you office, <laughs> you can't my, even stitch my on me she was like so disgusted disgusted by me yeah and they must have saw, seen because you were this is the thing about you that in a weird way i think was good because you're you wear your stuff on your sleeve right everything is sort of out in the open you're very kind yeah. of honest in a sense right about everything so it yeah. wasn't like you were anymore like when you were probably married you were living double life and i'm sure your two xys wouldn't say this about you they'd say you're the biggest fucking liar right but after you got out of that last divorce you were just being who you were to the hundredth power. You just put it all out there. You're like, this is who I fucking am. And you committed to being you. Yeah. You committed to being you. 
Yeah, so it yeah. wasn't like you were like, everybody knew what the fuck was going on. Like, I've seen you at yeah. work. You were highly inappropriate on all the time. The things that you would all say, the, the way you would come in, the way you weren't working, all the way. But this was just like the end all be all. Like, they were just finally, it wasn't like, oh my God, he's walking in with a gash on his head. They probably were like getting irritated by your ways long before that, right? That was like the yeah. straw that broke the camel back. The camel back for her. Right. So, um, and I really didn't think much of it. I mean, because I surrounded myself. No, you were having fun. You were like full steam ahead. You were in your issues. It was not so much fun at that point. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, and and but I surrounded myself with people that this was normal. You know, I mean, you go out, somebody black out. Yeah, it's hilarious. You talk the next day. It's hilarious. It's just funny, right? The girl woke up with me. She didn't remember exactly what happened. You know, it's like you know, I was surrounded by these people. And, um, so I went to my therapist that night, thank God I had therapy. And basically he read me the riot act. He said, you're an alcoholic and either you go to rehab right now and you spend a month in rehab. If you'll let it, you know, you'll allow it with work or you go to AA and immediately, you know, mm-hmm. this, you know you're completely out of control. And somehow, and for some reason, and he's told me many times, Stop drinking, stop using cocaine. I know you're not ready, but you need to, blah, blah, blah. And you've told me, and, and, and many people, I mean, you know, many mm-hmm. people have said, fraud. I mean, you know, and now I think back, you know, and people remind me that they were really worried about me and they, they, they didn't know how to say anything. You know, so many people, so many, even, even the people in that whole nightlife thing were worried about me. That, that goes to show you how bad I was. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Were worried about me. Um, most people are so happy for me that I'm sober. They, they, right, but know. it was something at that time that when your doctor finally said at that time that something clicked in you finally. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and, and whether God put it there or whatever, just divine providence or something, something made me realize. Right, and, and listen, I have to say, because, and you did say it, like, I mean, you did wind up going to AA, and what people will see is you've never been to, I've been to AA, so I know a lot of the things that you've said, you said you're using, like, the AA jargon, you know, they have a way of talking, they have phrases, yeah, things that it, they tell it, you, it, so you're, because you, you're, like, heavily into it right now, you're only 46 days sober, so it's just, like, your whole life at this point, you know, so you got into that, and that's where a lot of the things that you're saying, I think, come from, some people, if they've never been, they don't really understand it, but, like, they yeah. do teach you in AA. But it's very true, I think it's very mm-hmm. accurate and you know without kind of you know um you know insight or or you know aha moment mm-hmm. and i guess yeah. it, and, and it's it's you know it, i'll use their cliche you have to surrender to win um it's so important that if you don't do that um you know you're never going to win the battle mm-hmm. so you have to accept you're an alcoholic and that you need help and that you have a problem, and then all of a sudden things start to get better. You have a choice. You have a choice not to drink. Right, but don't you, know, you think, like, with you, because I know I had conversations with you, not just on my show, as off the fucking tape as well, yeah. right? Yeah. You yeah. knew you had problems. You really did. You weren't, like, sort of, like, doing it in, like, yeah. a guess it. You knew. It, you knew it was just a matter of time, on some yeah. level, I think you knew you were going to go as far as you could go being dysfunctional before it became yeah. a problem. And, you know, because you're a smart person, right? But you yeah. needed to, but you wanted to act out. You wanted to do what you yeah, were well, doing well, on a certain I, level, I, I too. Wish, I wish, you're probably giving me too much credit um, you know, in the sense that if you asked me two months ago and said, Adam, can you envision a life? Or you don't go out and drink, or at twelve thirty at night you're sitting in a bar having a cup of tea with milk and honey. I would have said you're out of your friggin' mind. There's no way they will ever give that up. That I plan to spend the rest of my life doing exactly the things that I was doing before. Yeah, and no. If of anything, I always thought it would be that you would quit girls on alcohol because you know, right? Like that was what I always thought was your thing. I mean, when I went out with you, I was the one drinking tea, and you were drinking alcohol. Yeah, and like yeah, you know, I think yeah, it's it's weird yeah. when you see somebody but, but else. I, I, I think that, that alcohol was part of that whole experience, and and that you couldn't live without it. And so mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of a given. And so that th- I finally had a realization that I have a problem. Uh, and it completely changed my gestalt and in, in, in what the emphasis of my life has become. Um, I mean, drinking and drugging and partying 
was my entire life. I mean, working was a minor part of it. And if I ever went on vacation, it was the party more. Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. play. Well, I mean, no, I mean, I went to places to see things all the but but a lot of it was it was surrounded around alcohol and drugs and, and, and but I will tell you and I, I didn't realize this because because I wrote in a journal I was able to go back and read and see that there were many times that I wrote down in my journal like oh I think I have a problem and I should probably quit drinking but if you would have asked me or at that time did I think I had a problem I would have been like no I would have said what you said like you're giving me too much credit I really didn't think anything was wrong I would never picture myself but I have to tell you Dr. Guy I remember having specific conversations with you where yeah. you absolutely yeah, 100% knew you had a problem. It probably yeah, yeah. wasn't registering in you. So you don't yeah, think yeah, back yeah, and see yeah. yourself like with clear glasses on. But there was that the part of you that got yourself out of it, the part of you that was able to really hear what your therapist said for the first time that time and really get yourself to A, that part of you every now and then did have a voice. You did yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, I could verbalize it. Yeah. And, and yeah, logically, yes. Right. Anyone who's. Uh, but 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 to actually uh, appreciate it was to, that was that moment, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. if I appreciated before, it would have stopped. So obviously, I hadn't appreciated. But yeah, I'm smart enough that yes, I re- I knew what you were saying. I just couldn't get myself. I couldn't do it. I mean, so many times I said I can never do it, Kathy. I can't believe she did it. You know, that's amazing. And and I never really thought I could do it. And then all of a sudden, oh, I said your name. Oh, that's not a big deal. No, everyone knows my name. My name is Kathy. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I don't even know your last name. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't know my last I'm name. Joking. Yeah. I'm joking. I got to think about it. Anyway, so um, I look at the book cover. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so you know, yeah, I didn't appreciate it. So yes, on, on some logical sense, yes, of course. Well, because I, mean, I no, just let's... think, like, I do believe, like, as somebody that was like picked out of the black, I always call it the black hole. You know, that whole sort of fucking world of drinking. You know, and the someone that was like, I sometimes think back at that moment of being like magical. Like, how was I saved and other people weren't? Like, how did that happen? And it, you know, I it, like it seems so. I in a way, I felt lucky because it really altered the rest of my life. Right, sort of that moment that I had that I decided to quit because then every. Everything yeah. got better from there. And, you know, same for you. That's that. That's going to be that moment where everything changed. But sometimes I look back and I think like, you know, is it like something magical and something outside of ourselves or is it a part of ourself that saved ourselves? You know what I mean? Like, is it, a, is it that part of you that used to talk to me and have very rational discussions about how you knew you were like completely fucked up, you know, and it, that was the part of you that was able to finally come in and say like, let's fucking do this now. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, know that you know, AA I, says it's I, like I, God. I would say, listen, you know, I mean, when you talk about spirituality, leave God out of it, let's just say, it, you, you do believe that everyone inherently has good in them yeah, and has the ability to, to, to see, mm-hmm. you know, what's best and, and to do what's best, but to tap into it is, is a, is a struggle that, you know, we all, you know, are certainly an alcoholic, you know, struggles with tremendously. And yes, I, I, I could see that, that I, I don't disagree with that. I think that, yes, it was in within me. I mean, it's such a profound I mean, when I say what happened, I talk about that, you know, I feel it within the depths of my, my, my being Mm -hmm. and and I feel it passionately more than almost anything that I felt before. It's so powerful. Because let me just tell you in your life moments like that, it like, listen, you've needed to have this moment your whole life. It uh, is that powerful. It really is for you. It is. I, I, I can't, my, my life, you know, I mean, and I've been a little remiss about going to meetings and I'm not so uh, just like you, I, 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 I derive the strength of not of abstinence just from the experience. And mm-hmm. I guess my life is so much better. Already so much, 46 I, days. I, it's, like, it's like I was blind and now I can see Yeah, and, and who's going to go back to not seeing again. I, I mean, geez. You gotta be crazy. I used no, to always say it's like, a, yeah, it's like going from a, being in a room that's pitch black and then somebody turns on the lights. So it's the same thing, like you oh, said, it's like going blind to see. It's like such a and, drastic and, difference that, yes, yeah. right? Logically, you're like, okay, I would never go back just because of that, and then you know everything else follows. Just, that. The, the 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 emotional and 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 psychological um, kind of. Uh, you know, depth you get from it and, and, and the kind of, you know, intense in your life and, and the emotion you feel 
it's it's indescribable. It's but indescribable. let me ask you this, because I know this was this happened to me. I, like for me, you know, before it became amazing, and you know, you're 46 days into it. Like that first time before I went to a meeting, and when I really had to swallow the fact that like I had a problem and I needed help. It was like the most awful feeling in the world. Oh, like yeah, it, yeah. Right? I, you I, feel I, never, never more meeting, helpless in your life. I cried. I couldn't stop crying the first meeting. Mm-hmm. I could not stop crying. That first weekend, I was like lost. And let me ask you this. For other people that are listening that maybe hit a bottom and they don't know how to get into like, I mean, you found a meeting. Did you go with someone? Did you go by yourself? Yeah, like how it, did that happen? Is, is, is an amazing, amazing experience and mm-hmm. and you know i would encourage anyone even even if they think they may have a problem to go to me just to see what it's like mm-hmm. uh, first of all if you call them on the phone they will be so happy to help you and so go out of the way and i am funny and and in that first meeting they could see i was a basket case and 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 they took me under their wing and the people i met there i still you know uh, I see all the time and, and one's, you know, my interim sponsor and, 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 you know, it's, it's, it is a fellowship and people want, you know, to do service, to help each other and they gain strength from that. So it's, it's like, I'm, it's boundless, limitless. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, nothing matters to them more than your sobriety. Right and and it's and going to a meeting and and sharing and hearing other people's stories, it is cathartic, you know, beyond belief. And 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 you're going to gain. And and what's amazing to me is that you're in a room now. So it's not like you get to, to finally release all this, you know, this shit you've been carrying around for so long. But you realize you're not alone. Yes, and that's and what that's what's so and, huge, right? And there mm-hmm. there are just as many people with just as big an ego as you, and just as successful as you, and just on top of their game as you, mm-hmm. and 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 just and, and even like the most like scrappy looking man or woman at the meeting, and they they start to speak, you will be amazed at the profound depth and insight of their of their words and how you could relate. It doesn't even, at at that point you start to realize that you're all the same, right? It doesn't matter if you're as successful or not. You, you're all sort of dealing with the same thing. Same things. Exactly. Listen, if everyone, you know, like I said, my experience is different than the next person and you take from a, a, what you, Mm -hmm. you know, you need, et cetera. You know, everyone's different. Like, you know, you had a different experience than others. I'm sure, you know, and, and I, and I feel like, my situation is different because I had a soft landing because I'm in therapy because everything else in my life is, you know, really super duper. This is just like icing on the cake. I don't need as much, you know, gut wrenching, you know, from AA per se, uh, because I, I, I've done some of the work and I continue the work on my own, with my own personal therapist. So it's a little different experience for me, but let me assure you that that, you know, it is a, a and it works. Not too much works for alcoholism. I'm a doctor, and therapy won't work. Because I was in therapy, go for you know, unless someone gives you the insight, you have it, and then you reach out and go into this kind of rehabilitation type of community experience. You're not going to make it. You're not going to understand the pro, you know how profound it is and how important it is, and and see examples of people who made it out. Right, you and know, understand they all different things about it. I remember, like when I got in, I read all the books about like physically what was going on, emotionally, spiritually. Like, I mean, like there's so much sort of information out there, whether it's so from meetings or from like the books and the literature that they put out. And amazing, it was written, it was written by a stockbroker, you know, like 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 whatever, eighty years ago, or whatever, ninety mm-hmm. years ago. And it was and, um, and, Robert Kelly who would say to me, we would have like these like amazing conversations over the phone and he would be like, Kathy, like we just had a meeting. Like that's as good as a meeting. Like that's what, that's how meetings started. It was just like two guys that got together and talked about yeah, their stuff and then yeah. they realized like, and, they felt better for it and that's what yeah, it became. It's just like going and talking to people and relating to other people that could yeah. understand you. Yeah. It, it, right? It's, it's a, it's a VS, exactly. You don't need to be, you know, everything's anonymous, you know, it's alcoholic anonymous, but it just you feel it's safety and it gives you a safe haven to deal with your alcoholism. And if you're feeling down, you can bring it there and 
you will feel better. But let me ask you this, because I think like for me, uh, uh, and because you said something on this call that was different when I spoke with you like, you know, three weeks ago where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not like so I've been, you know, I've missed a couple meetings now and stuff, you know, and like reality sets in because like when you do go to AA and I think this is what puts people off and this is what makes people maybe sometimes think like I can't do it right when you go there initially or what people seem to think AA is about and what they tell you it's about is like, OK, you're going to have to come to a meeting every single day, kind of like for the rest of your life. And like this is what you have to do always to say sober right um and I think that freaks a lot of people out I know it you know for me after a while and like I never could commit to it completely that way I know that you did in the beginning right but now yeah in the beginning for me it was like you know I always didn't know what to do with myself because now all of a sudden yeah all the time I spent drinking drugging going out recovering you know all of a sudden I had all this free time and and the last maybe a week because my days are so busy between my new dog, between the girls, between my work, between yeah. yoga, you know, taking it, you know, because a meeting, you just, just go for an hour, you got to go have coffee afterwards, there's a socialization that occurs, you know, uh, it, it, it's carving out that much time during the day, it's not so easy, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's not going to, and I, well, I had this girl here for six weeks, so that kind of made it a little harder because I had to constantly be, you know, you know, sort of her entertainment because she came from <coughs> Germany. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's, you know, I'd rather spend the hour going to yoga, to be honest, you know, but there's times I, I still go to meetings, obviously. But let me uh, ask but, you this. How does like the person who's co-sponsoring you or like temporarily sponsoring you feel about that? Like, what do people say to well, you? About- I mean, I mean, you know, they're, they're not, it's not what they do, but, you know, this thing, there's a lot of acceptance in the program. And, right. And, and I think that, you know, if whatever you want to do, you know, unless it's like, you know, if you start drinking again or drugging again, that's different, you know, then yeah. they may drop, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that's a different story. But if you're being sober and, and how you kind of approach your sobriety, you know, it, it's not, you know, it's, it, they're not going to be so critical. Yeah. They may suggest something, at the end of the day, it's, you know, your decision. And, and if it's working, it's working. You know, I mean, proof in the pudding. I mean, you know, the fact that I'm still sober and, and, and not even having a, a, a thought of drinking and not desiring to, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, it means it's working. Right. You know, and, you know it's not like I don't have, and, and I, have a, I have a lot of, because I had a very extensive social network. I, obviously, I have, I have all these girls, you know, one girl was probably staying with me the whole time when I was so when I started sobriety. I kicked her out because the other girl was coming from Germany. Right. The other girl stayed with me, and you know, basically anything I wanted to do. If I didn't want to go out, they stayed in with me. They wanted to just go to dinner. They didn't drink in front of me. We had tea a lot. You know, we did all these things. You know, we we went to a Broadway sh- shows. We went to you know anything that I needed to keep busy. They were trying to do with me and for me. So it's not like I'm like sitting here alone. And I'm, you know, homeless. I'm living in a, you know, spectacular apartment. And, and no, but I, that's what I think. I mean, I was really worried after I got sober because I thought to myself, because my whole world was like going out at night, right? I mean, you know, I lived in New York City and I was a party girl, right? That's just yeah, who yeah, I was. I, and my, that was my whole life. It was all my friends. You know, it was just such a big part of my life that I felt like when I gave that up, I was thinking maybe I'm going to move out of New York, right? Because like what else is there? And I have to say is I've been sober 14 years and there's like a whole other world. Like there's yeah, so it's, much it's, it's, in you, life. You how much, and it's much better. Yeah, better. of course. You're right. That's what And now it's so funny. Like at 2 a.m. in the morning where I used to be just starting my night. Yeah. You know, we went to someone's birthday. So we're out. You know, we went like for half an hour to the club just to, to say hi and then i like i got, I got enough of this crap and um at 2 a.m i'm like i'm exhausted oh my god i love sleeping now i sleep eight hours every day it's the best fucking thing in the world and it's also important and good for your health i mean you are older yeah. i mean it's I not like good. a normal <laughs> life and it's like so you know and it's, a, it's funny one of the aa guys i mean this italian guy he was sort of a cool guy just nice you know sort of like me hip guy and uh you know, most of the hip guys kind of like seek me out. They kind of introduce themselves. And the guy goes and he goes, you know, um, New York City. You know, he's from Italy. He goes, New York City has a heavy Italian accent. It's a great place to be sober. And I looked at him. I said, you know, it's a great place to be an alcoholic, too. He goes, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with you. It's a damn great place to be sober because there's so much. To yeah. Do. I mean, I never felt like I people used to always ask me, like, what do you do if you don't drink? I'm like, I, I Oh, my God. I don't it, even- it, you realize? 
Yeah. It, there's so much to do. And it's so nice. And I'm catching up with friends. I'm doing so many things. I'm, I never have a moment free, to be honest. And, and I'm not drinking a drop of alcohol or using drugs. It's like, you know, and, and you don't need it. And you don't need to have a good time, which is uh, you, you, when you're drinking and using, you can't realize that. You, you, you're also, you're afraid of yourself. I think that's the biggest fear is, is that, you know, I probably was unhappy with myself on some very uh, you know profound level and and to sit there and be with myself you know without alcohol was a hard thing to do and you listen i think you know you still have all these girls busting up your phone i still hope honestly i still hope that you sort of work on that too because i do think there is uh, a just functional thing going on there with all the women and all the sex and all that i think your addiction plays into that area too and i think yeah, like yeah, yeah. My, my therapist wants me to go to next to go to a uh um, sex and love love addiction, love addiction. yeah um, you would love it it's great very interesting you would love it and you would be like holy shit i belong here too i mean you would feel the same way that everything that you just said about the aa meeting and how you, you would feel the same way there and i really feel like um that will be when you really are as close to yourself as you need to be. I think you're one step away. I think the alcohol was something you need to do and you put away your partying ways, but I think the women is the crux of your problem. And and your serious issue, needing women in your life, needing women to like you and acting out sexually to get women to be, you know, all that stuff. It's like, you know, that's what you really need to do and that will be next. But the alcohol had to come out and everything. And then what you'll be left with is this, because I do believe that when you really sort of put away like what was feeding you and your dysfunction, you have to sit with yourself. Like it can be really difficult. And I think right now you're not dealing with certain things because you still have all these girls, right? And I think it was great that you got a little puppy, like you got a puppy recently. And I think like, oh my God, I was like so happy for you because I'm like, now you could like let go of those girls. You know what I mean? You could sort of like maybe just nurture that dog and like have a really, like, you know, and start developing your relationship with yourself, right? And you need to conquer that as well. That's part of, you know, I mean, no question. I could not possibly, I've been in therapy for the last year and a half with alcohol and drugs. And it got, I got pretty far. I got a lot done. I definitely am so much better off. I'm, I, I saw, I went to see Yvonne today, who was uh-huh. like amazing. This is an ex girlfriend of his. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I could sit there and have coffee with her and talk to her about her microblading that she wants to do and not be out of my mind and not be out of control and not be love addicted and crazy, mm-hmm. but totally, you know, be, you know, like a normal human being. I could never have done that before. It's certainly not after we broke up. It, it was a very traumatic uh, experience. And now here I am so much stronger emotionally, psychologically, that I can actually have a, a normal conversation as a human being and not be you know, dragged down by my insecurities. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't face my, I didn't want to face myself. And that's why I drank and to hide from myself. And then, and there was no way for me to yet to deal with the next level. And, and you said it to me before, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to get anywhere, but I'm never going to really get to the core of it when you're uh, an alcoholic and, and a, a drug addict. There's no way. Because you're just, you're, just, you're just not meant to be present, you know, most of the time. So no, way no and what people don't understand with the whole drinking thing is like, even if you're not drinking every single day, like, it's not just like when you're drinking that alcohol becomes a problem. It's like all the, the, the talking and the working, like the thinking about when you're going out to drink. And then after you're yeah. done drinking, all the talking about the drama that happened, where you drink. And you don't really realize it starts, it's like your whole life. That's why it becomes whole your whole life. life. It's not just it's a like, problem because when you're actually drinking, it's all the time spent before and it after. Was, it was like you said, you know, what do you do with yourself when you're an alcoholic and all of a sudden you stop? It's like, you know, it's like, what do I do now with my life? You know, it's like, you, you, like you, your whole life just stops. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird to, to kind of, you know, rediscover that there's an entire life there without alcohol that, you know, is, is, is far more, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, 
defining for yourself and, and far more enriching. Yeah, and, you and you're you're still you. You're a type of person that likes to do things and be out there and be social. You know, and you could still do that and just not drink. I'm just as witty, just as much fun, just as crazy, just as interesting, just as adorable as I was when I was drinking. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And I, I'm, better with, I'm better with the girls now. Mm-hmm. I'm not, oh, I, watch I'm not, out. You, you, I'm like, I'm like, I'm on point. I'm like, I'm on fire, and I will dominate <laughs> tables just like I did without alcohol, without drugs. <laughs> Sit there and tell stories and jokes and keep everyone going and be the real alpha male that I am without alcohol, and that's amazing to me. And I'm not so afraid of you know because it's part of it's social awkwardness. You, you go into a new setting, you don't know everybody. You have to kind of negotiate that situation. Alcohol was a way to a social loop that kind of made you deal with your insecurities, and anxieties, and you could function. That, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I don't need it. I don't need it. And, and, and you, you're so much stronger that way without alcohol. Yeah, no, totally. That's what I always felt like. You know, I always felt like I gained real, real strength because of what I think about my life. I think like I've been 14 years sober, right? And every single thing I've done, every single day, every single first date, every single bad thing that happened in my life, every single everything I've done sober, like 100% sober. Like, I mean, that builds real strength. The strength I had before that, everyone always thought I was so strong, but I was like fake strong. You know what I mean? I was bullshit strong. I was like, yeah, I had all this bravado on the outside and I had all this stuff and people thought I was so strong, but I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no. Real strength is when you're sober and you're able to be who you are without the drugs and alcohol. That's strength. Yeah, you you deal with all your emotions and all of life without sort of checking out and running away. It, it's exactly. You know, I've had you know, in the last six weeks, I've had similar emotions that I had you know before when I was you know drunk and using, and the way I experience them, you know, when we talk about power of now and about being mentally present, mm-hmm. different. Does it still bother me? But I'm able to, to to function in a very different level because now you have your wits about you. And yeah, being like, clear-headed is a very and in control, and you know, is a very different way of being than being completely, you know, fuzzed up and out of control. You know, it's not good, especially if you're alpha personality and you're old. I mean, it's just, you know, thank God you got your fucking yeah. act together. Yeah. I yeah mean, thank, thank God. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Cause people could go listen to your other episodes. I can't wait for when you really do start going to those other meetings. I think this is the difference between having a bad therapist and a good therapist. Like I think good therapists are very hard to find, but you have a fucking good therapist. You really okay. do. It's so funny. It, the week after, so I came back the mm-hmm. week after I saw AA, mm-hmm. and he was nervous because he was he really gave me you know you know no bullshit hard line. Mm-hmm. He was afraid I would never come back again. Right. He apologized for being so. I said, my friend, I said, you probably saved my life. Yeah, and, and I kind of like that. He, he has, pushed he has, his feelings he has such on good you. Intuition. Every time he's made a call, he's been dead on. And he when he read me the ride, it was the smartest thing he ever did. And and I so appreciate it. I think you know, someone yeah, like you he, needs it. I think he read. I think you have to. I, maybe as a therapist, you read each person differently. I always said I'm, I never became a therapist because I would want to do like what your therapist did. And I think a lot of times therapists don't do those things. They're kind of not allowed yeah. to, right? You have to let the person. Yeah, sort of and, find and he Because if you if you pull that if you pull that card too early, you wait. You, you wait. You, you did probably lost the patient exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he was smart. He waited. I mean, he's been seeing well, he me did it at the right years. time because it worked, right? right? And I admire that. I think that that's great because it's what you needed yeah. and it helps. Yeah. yeah. He saved my life. He saved my life. It, yeah. it would have gotten worse. It was and I love the- that he's telling you, like, he doesn't stop there and it's not like the end of the movie. And he's like, now you live happily ever after. I love that yeah. he says, like, you also need to do this because he's been listening to you. I know you. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, this is really great that you quit drinking. But, like, what about. The girl thing, you know, that's the. That's I mean, the I mean, it's thing. funny. He, he, you know. So I had a very frank conversation with him last week. Because, mm-hmm. because his first thing to me is, do not fall in love under any circumstances. Right. Well, AA tells <laughs> you that too. I, the I, first, I, I, I mean, right? girls, you fuck. Yeah. You know, I don't care what you do, Adam, but right. you're not to fall in love. That is what you have to stop doing, which is a love addiction. Yeah. You know, right. I'm a, he said, I'm not a. I'm a womanizer. I'm not a. Would you call me? A, did I, I like women to love me? I'm not a. Um, You're not a player. I'm not a player. Right. I'm a womanized. Yeah, womanized. Very big difference. Yeah. Big difference. So so, and he said, you know, you have to stop being a womanizer. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I said, so I said, what's your expectation for me? He said, frankly, you know, my goal for therapy for you is not, you know, for you to, to learn how to have a real substantial relationship because, frankly, you've had two wives, you have four kids. I don't think you ever need that. He said, mm-hmm. so I'm not really gunning for that. You know, a younger guy who has the same, and he's treated many people with the same problem as me. He said, I've treated many guys like you, you know, you know, younger. That is the goal of my therapy is to make them, you know, to get them to be the well enough they, to have a, a happy, a secure, real, healthy relationship, yeah, committed relationship. Yeah. 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 So he doesn't see that as a very important goal for me, ironically. <laughs> so that's not, but, but doesn't mean you, you don't want to deal with your love addiction. You don't want to make that better. No, you need to do that even more yeah. because that means yeah, that he, what he yeah, wants for you road? is for you to be alone. And, and for, in yeah. order for you to be alone, you can't be a fucking love addict. Okay. Yeah. So I he's mean, right I on the money. The left that was here because she was here all the time. And I couldn't really. I do want to be alone. You know, it's funny. And I never had that feeling. And we talked about this many times. And mm-hmm. he said that, my therapist, I never really wanted to be alone. You know, and I would fight it tooth and nail. You know, I still do a little bit. You needed to be with yeah, somebody. But, but I need to be, you know, I'm like, you know, sitting alone in my apartment. This is, you know, it's a rare, rare occasion. Me and the dog, and that's it. This has not happened too often in the last several years. No, and you know what I really believe, and this is why I like your therapist even more, that you just told me like he doesn't even, he's not even trying to get you in another relationship. I personally, like when I would think of who you are, really who you are before all this stuff was put on you, as like I don't think you're like someone that should be in a serious relationship. I think you should be having fun. I think that that's more you, right? Than the whole tie down to one person kind of a thing. I think, you know, yeah, it, it, it's all. I'm going through basically a rebirth and a rediscovery because mm-hmm. who I am was never allowed to really manifest itself, and never really was able to understand who I am. And this is a part of who I am now that I'm kind of appreciating it. You know, and like I said, if you're being honest with the girls, and, and you know, I mostly I date girls significantly younger than me, and if they have any expectation of me ever marrying them or having a baby with them. They gotta be kidding themselves, and, and I make it very abundantly clear that this is a part-time gig, you know, and you will be replaced by another girl. And they it, sometimes they don't accept it; most of the time they do. But you know, I'm not hiding it, and and either it's okay with them. And, it's not, and, and the funny thing is, for a woman, when she's polygamous, it's very hard for them to give their all, you know. But they, ironically, like you know, with me, when you're with me, it's a fantasy; it's it's not real. Right, but, but this is the problem. But I know, but I have to stop you there, okay? Because and this is what you need to go into. This is why you're still in therapy, and this is why you need to go to those meetings. Because what you're not stating is that you know these girls, when some accept it, some don't. The ones that do accept it, when they do get replaced, it always feels like a fucking blow. Like what the fuck oh, has yes. happened? Yes. Nobody just so says, what? "Okay, thanks for being honest. But, I but, totally but Kat, understand." Kathy, Kathy, nothing in life lasts forever. Okay, but wait, let me just say what I'm going to say because I, I okay. shoved this down your throat the other day and you agreed and it's very true. What you do because you are dysfunctional and are dying trying to get your mommy to like you is like you pull out, oh, this is a womanizer thing, you pull out every fucking thing in the book, okay, to get a girl to like you and to be totally into you. And you are like amazing, like too good to be true amazing. I know because I dated you. I went through the whole thing with you. I get it, you know. And it's and and it's inappropriate like what you do it's like you don't have proper boundaries like you want to say I don't want to have a relationship yet you treat the girls in your life as if you're fucking married to them like you say the things you do the things you act and then but you say but it doesn't mean anything you know how fucking confusing that is and you know why it's confusing because it doesn't make sense because if you don't want a relationship with a girl you can't have all those other things like there has to be clear boundaries between what you want and that's where you go wrong and that's where your fucking drama filled well, relationships I, with women happen I, 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 I agree with you on some level but I'd be as a devil's advocate sure um, so where where is that boundary so I let this girl stay with me for six weeks and of course she was here I went shopping with her. We, I took her to all the beautiful restaurants and plays, and we went all around New York. We went on a helicopter ride. I mean, so 
six weeks is probably too long, but she had vacation and, and wanted to come to New York, so I let her. And I was monogamous during those six weeks. And it was a very positive experience, you know, overall. So, so should I kick her out after two days or? or no, it's should, hard because, listen, no. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's so, hard so because I, why do you, okay, I would say that when you're, when you really get over like your addiction to women thing, you probably won't want a girl that you're not in love with to be in your house for six weeks. You would probably want maybe to have them visit and this is a long, out Yeah, this is, exceptionally, this is exceptionally long. I agree. Most girls are a day or two. That's it, you know. And, and so it was unusual because she was coming from another country. And she's probably one of the better girls. you're girl. playing house. Like you said, it's a fantasy. And I just think that when, you know, to, to say that you're going to create a fantasy with somebody that is not a fantasy person and is a real-life human being, you're going to create a lot of drama. And to I, me... I mean, Yes, yeah. yes. Listen, it took her a while to accept the situation. Now she's okay with it. She, <laughs> okay. she, the, the, long, the next this, one has to put up with the situation. It's just this yeah. long line of girls that are just fucking yeah, devastated. Yeah, put up with the situation. But you know, the the you know, with her, for example, long distance relationship. So she knows that she's twenty seven. I'm fifty one. She doesn't want to get married right now. She hasn't met anyone. She's just figuring out her own life. So for her, I think it works. And and you know, yes, there'll be times where she'll be hurt. But this is what I've just said to you, and this is what I said to you. You have to get clear. What you're not clear yet. It's always gonna hurt. It's always gonna hurt. When I kick you out the next day, or if it's two days. No, I do believe. No, I do believe that when you get clearer with yourself about who you are and what you want, not what you need, but what you want, and then you're able to be clearer with women about it in your actions, not just how you what you say, but at you I I, I agree with with that. There won't be as much sort of like bloodshed at the end of your relationships. You're you're very confusing. You say one thing, but your actions and your emotions and your fucking emoticons say a whole other thing. And a lot of people Play that game. And I think yeah. that's a bullshit and I, and I game. Can't I, I, you're right. I can't help myself. I can't help it. You can't because you need it. Okay? I mean, like, there's one, like, there's, like, uh, uh, someone I knew from elementary school. Yeah. There's always been a little tension. So she's getting, she's getting divorced. She's divorced. And she, you know, sought me out. And we, we, we got together one time. And, you know, I could tell we're probably going to end up sleeping with each other mm-hmm. uh, uh, soon. And, you know, and she gives a little kissy face, like, give a little kissy face back, and I probably shouldn't, but you're right, because I want to be liked, and I do it. You're right. Yeah, because you need them to fall for you hardcore, and you're really good, and like I said, this is, I'm not talking to some guy that's just like, hey, baby, like, you, I dated you, I know, I, poor bun girl, the girl, you you go on vacations with girl, and you take pictures with them like you're their fucking husband of 20 years. They they never experienced anything like right but for somebody that doesn't like them and isn't in love with them to treat them as if you are is a mind fuck do you understand and that's where your dysfunction comes into play because if you did if you started to be more clear about who you were and what you would you wouldn't have those mixed messages you're sending out mixed messages because you're mixed within yourself do you understand so i think once you fix that part it'll be better it's definitely it's um habitual it's reflexive yeah and and and, and subconscious is not it's not no and know, that's the heart that's what's hard about it but when you go to those yeah. meetings and you go to those love and uh, you know meetings you're gonna see you're gonna you're gonna learn yeah. a lot about yourself yeah he said to me the second week in a row he says you gotta get to one of these meetings i, I, I plan to get there yeah, you'll go. It's like it's like with yeah. the alcohol thing. You will go when you're ready. I think the alcohol's out of your life. You're gonna have all that drama not there anymore. You're not gonna be waking up with like bruises and shit. But I think that the drama with women will continue until you sort of go down that path yeah. with yourself. Yeah, I agree. And and us just talking about it now, it's amazing. It's how 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 things kind of finally crystallize. You know, when we just spoke about it, it became very. You know, we mentioned the emoticons. I know something just triggered, and I yeah. realized—I must have just done it five times before I was on the phone with you. Yeah, and I couldn't help myself and asking these girls to dinner and just kind of feeding into it. And and you know, and I do it. And it was subconscious and it was reflexive and it wasn't 
uh, it wasn't something there's, I could read. And there's not, and there's no like meaning. The and the problem it, is, it, is there's it, no meaning behind it. No, yet. No meaning People behind. read it that way because nobody, no, no normal is, person. The only is I'm dying to stick my schlong into you, and I'm going to do it, and that's that's my plan. And it's the only meaning behind it. And and, and that's even not when you're taking them on vacation and you're cuddling with them in bed, and when you're cooking them breakfast, and you're when you're running out to get the groceries, and when you're like, stay home here because I want to see you when I get home. There's no meaning behind that except you just no. need that to make I yourself feel good. It, but it's not it, yeah. about the other person. It's not about an intimate connection, and that's where you're yeah. fucked up because yeah, so healthy people don't do that to other people. Do you understand? I agree. And that's where it's not fair. And I believe that when you clear up all that, you're still going to probably be maybe someone that's not totally monogamous and not in relationships, but you'll be able to be more clear about your relationship yeah. with somebody. And a, it won't be like a girl a, devastated. Yeah. You'll attract women that are more on the same page and you, because you, you, you need, what the problem is, is like right now, you wouldn't want a girl that's fucking other people and didn't like you and was cool with the fact that you were not going to be with her. You want the girl no. that's obsessed with you. So yeah, they're all, they're all yeah, totally that's what you need, right? So it's a uh, you're playing games. Yeah, playing games. Yeah, play. when you get clear, like when you say, "Oh, what's wrong with everyone's happy?" It's like when you really do this right, and you're a single person and decide not to have real relationships with, like a committed relationship, and you want to be open. You could do that absolutely with a girl that's totally in the same place and is cool with that. But that's not what you're attracting because you're sending out very mixed messages because you're still trying to get your mommy to like you, and you're working on that in therapy. And that's the great thing. And the fact that you took out partying and all that, all that fucking bullshit out of your life is great because now you could get to the one thing the one thing that's keeping you away from exactly who you are and that's the, the one yeah. more thing and you're right there and it's amazing and I love that your therapist didn't stop at the alcohol and went there I love that your therapist is like pushing that too and that's how you know you're with the right person because he knows who you yeah. are he knows what your issues are um, I think you, what's good about you is you go to therapy and you really put your shit out there and you are honest about stuff you're honest with me like I said like you know all these things we've talked about it you you know this shit like you're smart you're honest with who you are and that helps you as well you know yeah and so yeah. uh you know next podcast will be Dr. Guy uh quits girls Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you could alcohol. I, I can't. Like, like, is it? If you told me, you, you know, a year ago, I predict you're going to quit alcohol. You know, and, right. and, and to say that, I say, yeah, you're fucking mine. So right now, I say, yeah, yeah fucking mine. You're yeah. probably right too, Kathy. I hope right. so. I hope so. Yeah. I think. So. I think so. I, I, in my heart of hearts, listen. Any addiction takes a tremendous toll, physically, emotionally. Uh, monetarily, mm -hmm. you know, I don't care if you're buying cocaine or alcohol, whatever it is. Right. It's it's taking up your time, your energy, your money, your 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 very being. And and, and you're not being girls, so nice to other people sometimes, and yeah, you, know, you have to it, sort it, of come it, to it, terms it, with it, that it, about yeah. yourself. And that's yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. It's, a, it's a destructive habit mm -hmm. that is too different. It's an addiction like alcohol, no question. Yeah, and yeah, I, and I had to be ready when to quit alcohol, and it, and it happened for me. And I, I agree with you; there'll be a moment. It's not going to be a landing or or getting to a bottom, but just I reach a point in my own, you know, process through meditation, through yoga, through AA, through therapy, you know, through going to, like you said, to the meetings. That somehow it's the light bulb suddenly goes on. Yeah, and, and once I, you start hearing yeah. about all that stuff and hearing other people and yeah. think, you're going to have the same right. sort of feeling. Because yeah, right now you think you're important. like alone in this, I feel like. The way you talk about yourself with women and like your thing, it's like you definitely feel like the king of your castle. You know, like this is like your world yeah. and you're well, so e fucking e great. Ego. It's, e it's our ego. Right, it's and when like, you go out, there and you see all the all people the that are just like ego, you. Ego yeah. Yeah. I need another egotistical love addict person to realize, you know, you know, it's all bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I should go next week, <laughs> this week. Yeah, I think you should. I hope I hope that you will, and you will eventually. I believe you will. I always felt that about you that if somebody could get sober and really fully change it, it could be you. And if you ever did it, I always believed one hundred percent you'd be one of the successful ones. You know, uh, it is hard. It's hard to stay sober, to be sober, to face yourself, to yeah, deal with problems. But oh, no. you're doing it. it? When you meet alcoholics or former alcoholics in AA, first of all, like I said, 
you're not the only successful, smart, yeah. lucky, egotistical alcoholic. There are a lot of them out there. Mm-hmm. But the best ones are the ones in AA. Right. They're the ones that are out of it. So they are the, the best of the best. Mm-hmm. So the ones you're going to meet in the meeting are going to be really sharp and really successful people. And I mean, monetarily, I mean... In life emotion. as people, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I used to try to tell yeah. people, like, you think develop, like develop. people that don't drink well, are boring. I'm like, I'm sorry, but when I would go to AA meetings, I'm like, these are some cool fucking fuck, people. These are cool like the people. hardcore of the hardcore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not for... Uh, it's not for the lazy. You're, it's not for the meat. You're swimming. You're swimming in a shark tank. And trust me, if you're not one of the sharks, you shouldn't or can't be. No, but there. It, it t- and it takes a lot to sort of get yourself out. Uh, it's one thing to live on the edge, but to come back and save yourself is a whole other thing, it's, and that's great. But and it and anyone could do it for themselves, and you hope that yes. for everyone. And I'm glad that it's happened for you. Thank you. So uh, that's it. So thanks for the update. No New York nope. Times post article on you no, just well, yet. Well, you, <laughs> well, no, no, no. I've always been like you're gonna kill one of your hooker girlfriends, but like you, that could happen because you're Look still into girls. So we yeah. don't know, but uh, hopefully, <laughs> but, but, but less, less deadly uh, weapons. Yeah, and since it's the end of the year, this is like my first. Where are they now? Episodes, and so it's good to know that Doctor Guy, because a lot of people didn't like you. You were very polarizing on your other podcast because you come across yeah, as that. like a cocky douche, and and people yeah. might still seem think you sound like a cocky douche, but like you're a sober cocky douche, and I'm, and I think that that's a good thing. And you're not really a cocky douche. You're you're nice. I like you as a person. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I yeah, have you always say, yeah. People say. Don't be boastful. Don't be, you know, vain. I say, you know, when I say something positive about something I'm doing, mm-hmm. believe it or not, it's more that I'm proud of it. I'm proud yeah. of the fact that I'm sober. And I talk about it with a lot of people because I think it's very meaningful. And mm-hmm. if I can give them any, you know, any insight. Yeah, it, you're, it's, you're it's enthusiastic. And you're, enthusiastic, yeah, like you can so, help so, other so people. Don't, 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 you know, mis- misinterpret, um, you know, that it's that I'm trying to show off. In a lot of sense, I'm just really happy and, and I'm just sharing. And so, you know, and it's a fine distinction. Maybe not everyone agrees with it, but it, it's happened in several cases. People criticized me. I said, you know what? I'm just happy. I'm happy that, that I'm at this point. And, and I have to know. say when it's that raw and it's that in the beginning, it just because it does feel so big, like it's just the most major thing that's happening. You do. It's, it's your everything. You know, how do you not sort of talk yeah. about it? And yeah, it's like when you get divorced, you, you talk about your divorce with everybody. Yeah, it's like so big divorced. in your life and for other people, they're kind of like whatever, you know, but I get it because I was there. You know, yeah. it was the, and, I was in that place. Who were with me went during the using time. They they realize the significance of it and, and, and acknowledge it and you know are very happy for me. And I said even people I said who do use still you know they appreciate that you know this was a major and positive event in my life and, and totally. yeah so so it, it's not like I'm just you know boasting myself. I I, I have other people who've seen it. This is much better. <laughs> this is a big improvement. Exactly. You know, Old doctor guy. So. Okay, well now you could turn off all. You could turn back all the texts. Messages. Okay, yeah, you were yeah, still getting texts text. from other girls, but the four other girls you put on silent. Those poor girls, you could put them back on and let them blast you. Okay. All right, all right. So keep in <laughs> touch and good luck. All right, okay. bye. I'll talk to you later. Bye. bye. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.